News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. Talk a little politics here, too. Take a look at what's going on in the United States. You may have heard the big news there that the U.S. House Committee that's been investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol has now unanimously voted to recommend four criminal charges against the former President Donald Trump. What does that mean, though? Joining us now is Reggie Giacchini, our Global News Washington Bureau correspondent. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. So what does this mean? Like, does that mean there will be charges? What happens now? So what it means is that there has been a recommendation to the Department of Justice to potentially pursue, look into criminal charges into the former president for, uh, you know, the myriad of reasons that they believe Donald Trump broke the law uh, in what took place uh, on January 6th. And the thing to remember here is Congress doesn't have the power to prosecute. They only have the power to legislate and then to refer. So what it means is the Department of Justice will get the referral. They'll get the full report when it comes out, along with everybody else in the public. And then it will be up to the attorney general to decide whether he is going to run forward with any of the referrals that were handed over. Okay, so can you summarize for us what the committee said yesterday in this report? Yeah, look, it was 18 months of work that was kind of summed up in just over an hour yesterday. And ultimately, after replaying the eight chapters that were laid out into how Trump was uh, responsible for what took place on January 6th because of those comments linked to a stolen election, which were obviously uh, a lie, but worked to gin up his base, culminating in the actual attack and the fact that Donald Trump did nothing, uh, Representative Jamie Raskin from Maryland had come out in the middle of that hearing and laid out the four uh, uh, referrals that they were we're making to the Department of Justice that include inciting an insurrection and defrauding the U.S. government and obstructing a congressional hearing, uh, as well as uh, making false statements. And that's linked to uh, that plan to get fake electors in place to have Trump uh, win an election that he didn't. So for big referrals, it's unclear if DOJ would take all of them. Some of them have an incredibly high bar, like incitement of insurrection. But obstructing uh, an official congressional hearing, that could be very easy for DOJ because it very clearly happened in real time and everybody saw that. So everybody's waiting now to see if the attorney general is going to act. Okay, so that is the big thing there. What has the reaction been like to this, particularly from former President Trump? Well, I mean, the former president was on his social media account uh, late yesterday, pushing back on this, saying that this was, uh, you know, a partisan political witch hunt, uh, calling it a quote unquote unselect committee. But at the same time, saying that this is simply going to strengthen him. Uh, you know, I think he used the words, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. The problem being his poll numbers don't reflect his own words. He is lagging behind competitors that aren't even in the race at this moment. And given the fact that this could be a kind of significant week for Donald Trump in that today uh, a House committee is going to decide whether or not to release his tax returns that they're holding on to. The, the 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 referrals to the Department of Justice, the ongoing uh, kind of inquests into him from this uh, from this kind of outgoing Congress, uh, Trump is concerned. He's backed into a corner. We've seen him get out of this before, but this one is much more different. Okay, and also, has he done actually any campaigning at this point since he announced he was running in twenty twenty four? No, this is far different from 2016. It's far different from 2020, where he was out there front and center attempting to kind of get the base behind him. He made this big, splashy appearance uh, and really has kind of sunk into the kind of dark world of the Internet for the last couple of weeks, not really being seen, being heard on some conservative radio shows. But he's not really 
doing what he can to get out there uh, and get the base behind him, still thinking that this is a time three, four, five, six, seven years ago where he had control over the Republican Party and the Republican base. Those poll numbers out there that show him lagging behind someone like Ron DeSantis uh, are a clear sign that that base might not be there, despite the fact there are a few left in Congress who are still staunch Trump supporters. Uh, that, that grip that he once had is starting to diminish. Uh, could be why he's not on the campaign trail, mm -hmm. but also it's really early. The election's not till 2024. So true. All right, Reggie, thank you. Thank you. So Reggie Cicchini there, Global News Washington Bureau correspondent, taking a look at what's happening out of the United States. This is Mornings with Simi. Let's find out how it's going in Surrey this morning. Ray Kerr joins us now, the manager of engineering operations at the city of Surrey. Good morning, Ray. Good morning, Simi. How are you? I am good. Thank you. How are you, though? How would you assess your city this morning? Um, very busy. Um, everybody's out dealing with the uh, the roots, but with the amount of snow that we got, um, you know, it doesn't take long for those roots to get snowed in again. Ray, how do you pre how do you prepare for something like this? Even when you know the forecast is calling for this, what do you do? Well, I mean, all we can do, Sammy, is is have all of our equipment out, have them continue to do their priority one routes. Um, but like I said, um, I mean, it's a large city. By the time they get back to the routes, a lot of times it looks like they hadn't even been there. But I can assure you that they have. After a year like we've had, it's you now three kind of snowfalls already this year. Are, are you comfortable with kind of the level of the capabilities that you have there? Or do you think maybe we need some more in the years ahead? No, I think I'm comfortable with, with what we have um, uh, currently, Simi. The, um, the forecast last night, for example, and what we ended up getting is, I mean, there was a huge difference. Um, I mean, I think in most parts of Surrey, we're about eight inches or 20 centimeters of snow. Um, and that wasn't, that wasn't forecast for us. But regardless, we're, we're doing our best as it is. And what do you classify as priority one routes? Arterials and major uh, collector roads and major hills. Okay. And so how often would you say those are getting plowed this morning? Um, at this point, um, they continue to basically hit them as they go. Um, as far as the time frame between passes, I, I don't have that information right now. Okay, so what, what is your advice to people this morning, Ray? Um, similar to your other callers, um, if you don't need to drive or you don't need to be on the road, um, I would suggest that you, you just stay home. Um, if you do see a plow, please give it plenty of room to work. Um, that would be my, my two biggest suggestions. All right, Ray, thank you so much for your time. We know you're busy this morning. All right. Thank you, Simi. Have a good day. You too. That's Ray Carr, who's the manager of engineering operations at the city of Surrey. This is Mornings with Simi. Now the people thinking of a holly jolly Christmas are the little kids who are waking up and seeing that snow out there and thinking this is a magical time of year. Eh, for their parents and the adults, not so much. We're continuing to keep you updated on the really bad, treacherous conditions that are out there. But for now, let's let's think about the good things, shall we? Let's try to focus on the positive because we know Santa's a busy guy. Santa needs a lot of help. So this year, our community contributor, Eric Chapman, was able to get a special phone number that connects him with Santa's helpers to see how things are going. And today on the Chris Kringle Mingle, Eric talks to Santa Tim, who has been helping Santa for a very long time. Hello. Hi, Santa. It's Eric Chapman. How are you? Very well. Very well. So how long have you been helping Santa out uh, <laughs> for? Well, this is my 56th year or 53rd year. 
as Santa. I'm working with uh, uh, families and children and everything else. Uh, I started in 1969 uh, in uh, Vietnam, doing it for my buddies. And then in 1970, I got a job at a department store. And Okay, so, so we got to go back to the, Vietnam. Tell me about this. How did that start happening? Well, we, we came in from the field. Uh, it was December 23rd, 1969. We came in to uh, get our uh, Christmas dinner a day or so early and get our mail. And one of my friends uh, put on a beard of Barbasol shaving cream and uh, sat down in a chair. And we all started sitting on his knee and getting pictures taken. And then uh, after about uh, 15, 20 minutes, that that beard started melting away, you know, it was the warm weather there in Vietnam. And uh, so he, uh, uh, he, I put the shaving cream on and took his place. Why does this mean so much to you? <laughs> well, uh, it, it's unique because a year later after Vietnam, I came home, I was going to college uh, and uh, working for a department store. And they came to me and said, gee, you know, you got a great personality. Can you fill in for a couple days uh, for Santa? So I filled in for three days, and uh, at the end of the three days, they said, uh, can you do it the rest of the season, do the whole Christmas season? So uh, I actually ended up being their Santa for three years while I was going to college, and that started me on being Santa at Christmas every year for friends or family or relatives, whatever, that type of thing. And uh, 22 years ago, as I started looking towards retirement, I threw the razor away and let my beard go. And lo and behold, uh, I'm a, I'm a blonde. So I have a very light colored beard and, uh, the Santa emerged and I've been a professional real bearded Santa now for 22 years. Amazing. Is this the first year back since COVID hit and how busy have you been, you know, with people on the knee and prepping for the big season? Well, things are getting a little more active. You know, there was a period there for a while, you know, because uh, the last two years we wore, we used a lot of plexiglass, you know, yeah. for all the, the Santa visits and everything. And, uh, but uh, the plexiglass is slowly being uh, phased out and uh, the Santas are getting back to actual work, which is great. Uh, the, uh, in fact, one of the companies that came forward, Abbott Laboratories, they make the Benax Now home uh, COVID test kits, home testing. They went and distributed hundreds of test kits to Santa's all across the country to help us, uh, you know, test so that we were sure that we were safe to visit with families, whether we were doing home visits or tree lightings or working in the mall. So, uh, you know, Abbott really helped a lot of us out so that we could do all of this. And uh, so uh, uh, we're now all, you know, busy working uh, and uh, bringing joy to families. You've been doing it for so long. How many kids or people do you think have sat on on your knee? And do you have a preferred (laughs) knee that you use? Uh, Tens of thousands. And, uh, you know, it it depends on, you know, the the child, uh, how they... Uh, you know, want to uh, pose, you know, sometimes you have two kids, you have one on each knee. Uh, sometimes you'll have someone come up and, and it just, the, the, the it, it looks better if they're on the right knee and sometimes it looks better if they're on the left knee. It just varies every time. And, and do you eat a lot of cookies in preparing for the season as well? <laughs> well, I don't have to worry about that because there are so many, uh, you know, uh, people giving 
Santa cookies and other treats and and uh, delights, as they say. You know, here in the United States and in Canada, cookies are very popular. Cookies and milk, you know, a tradition that was actually started by the Dutch in New York. Oh, uh, with the little gingerbread cookies and stuff. But in other countries, you might see, uh, say, Norway or Finland or something. You might see a bowl of porridge, you know, or or, or you know, a, a, you know, a, a hot oats, that type of thing. But of course, uh, they treat it a little differently because they might mix in a little brandy or a little rum. Uh, <laughs> it becomes a holiday treat. Uh, in in France, they might leave out a little glass of sherry for Santa. Oh. Uh, it's uh, it's different customs in different countries. Oh, I love that, and I love learning that. And thank you very much for your... I know you're a busy guy, so I'll let you get back to it. And thank you very much for your time today, Santa. I really appreciate it. God bless you, and Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Mornings with Simi. In other news, we're going to talk about some healthcare issues as well. If you're waiting for a surgery in this province, and you know that is sometimes a pretty lengthy wait, but of course the Ministry of Health has been working to get some of that backlog cleared. There's a new report out on that, actually, and joining us now is BC's Health Minister, Adrian Dix. Good morning. Morning, Simi. Happy to be uh, in my, at my dining room table. Yes, I was going to say, I hope you're not going out anywhere today. Well, I get to walk, uh, and uh, if uh, depending on how SkyTrain's going, I get to walk and take SkyTrain today, so it's not bad. Yeah, good advice, I think, for a lot of people out there. Uh, we are talking about surgeries this morning, so tell me, what did we find here? Like, all these people who waited during the pandemic, have they had their surgeries now? Yes, we had three waves, really, in the pandemic. Five waves, but three sort of cohorts of waves. In the first wave, we did 99% plus of the surgeries. 99% plus in the second wave, 98% in the third wave, which was the fourth and fifth wave, which was Omicron, the Omicron wave, which affected surgeries. That was 14,000 and 3,000 and 6,000. And those have, those have been cleared. In addition, during the pandemic, because of the surgical renewal commitment we put forward, we increased operating hours by 18,000 annually, which is pretty significant. We significantly increased the number of surgeries in a pandemic in spite of those deferrals of surgery, and we reduce the size of the wait list. So all of those things, I think, are real achievements, not by me, but by you know surgeons and nurses and healthcare workers and others. Okay, and where are we at then right now, though? Because I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who tell you they're still waiting for a surgery. Yes, indeed. I mean, we've reduced the size of the surgery wait list. We've gone from near the bottom of the country to the top of the country. But if you're waiting for surgery, you don't really care that we're doing better than Ontario or Quebec or New Brunswick. You obviously want your surgery. So the way to do that and the way to address this is what we've done. Increase operating hours, basically about 100 separate initiatives to increase OR capacity across all the health authorities. And we've trained a lot more people, including 798 surgical nurses, which was a big reason why there were limits in the system before. So um, where the largest increases in surgery has been, they have been in ophthalmology, which many people need especially cataract surgeries, but also neurosurgeries and obstetrics and gynecology. So these are all areas where we've seen the largest increases in numbers of surgeries. And looking ahead then to 2023, what, what are some of your goals for clearing the surgical backlog? I know we've heard a lot in the news about particularly uh, women waiting for gynecological cancer surgeries and that delay just being unacceptably too long. Yeah, and that is to continue to increase our capacity. We're hopeful, of course, that um, we'll see less interruption in surgery at different points because we've achieved all this well 
having those periods of slowdowns like the one during Omicron and like some of the challenges we're facing now. In the last few weeks, um, about 420 surgeries have been delayed. Now, given the size of the backlogs we cleared off the previous time, that's uh, that's not a significant number. But if you're one of the 420, it's pretty significant. And we hear those stories. I hear those stories every day. So what we what we're doing is, I think, the best thing to do, which is to increase the capacity of our system. What does that mean? Longer days of surgery, adding additional slates in a day, adding slates on weekends. We've refurbished operating rooms that have been discontinued so that we have more people do surgery. The reality is we have an aging population, and we're going to have to continue to do this over time. This isn't a short-term measure to clear off a backlog. We've cleared off the COVID-related backlog. There were still existing surgical wait times before COVID that that existed before. We also can expect more people coming into the system. So when you're doing hundreds of thousands of surgeries a year, that means you're getting hundreds of thousands of new cases a year. And so what you have to continue to do is try and meet and exceed the number of new surgeries you have scheduled so you can reduce those backlogs. And that's what we did in the last couple of years, reducing the wait list by 5,000 in a pandemic with all of the issues I've talked about. That's a real achievement. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time this morning. Hey, anytime. Take care. Be safe out there. This is Mornings with Simi. Hi, Simi. Um, just calling in about the, how I carry myself, myself as a driver and the conditions in general. Uh, I've been driving in a good part for 25 years, uh, since I was 16. Got my learner's license right away. Um, I'm a fairly decent driver, but I, you shouldn't be overconfident in this type of weather. I have a 4x4, snow tires, whole nine yards, and I'm still slipping. And I see people with regular tires just driving like it's 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 like a summer day. Give your heads a shake, people. Clean your car. If you have summer tires, don't drive. I know this might be falling on deaf ears because I know CKNW listeners are smarter than this. So you, you gotta you gotta you gotta listen. You gotta learn. You cannot drive in this weather if you're not prepared. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Excellent advice. That's the thing. We have to look at ourselves and go, you know what? I I know I'm a good driver and I know I'm careful, but even for me, today is a day to not hit the road. That is exactly what people should be thinking, but far too many people thought, oh, you know what? It snowed twice already this year. I'll be fine. Or or people thought, well, it can't be as bad as a couple of weeks ago when we had that nightmare. Turns out it is as bad as that. I mean, you're not waiting hours and hours but people are spinning out. They can't make it up the road. You've got heavy, heavy snowfall, snowfall that is continuing until lunch hour and then tapering off. It's a mess out there. Do not go out on the road unless you absolutely have to. YVR is a nightmare situation right now. Uh, flights canceled, uh, flights delayed. Uh, don't go to the airport unless you absolutely have to. BC Ferries, you've got numerous cancellations of BC Ferries. They're trying to get the terminals plowed. Uh, BC Transit, or Transit, I should say, the same situation. They're trying to get the bus depots plowed so they can get the buses out. And we thought, let's get an update now on that transit situation. So joining us now, Shruti Joshi, who's a TransLink spokesperson. Good morning. Good morning, Simi. What is the bus situation like right now? Yes, Simi, it's not ideal. We are advising customers to expect considerable delays this morning, particularly on the bus network and avoid traveling where possible. But having said that, minimal bus services are available in some areas. Uh, I can give you some updates. Um, in the district and city of North Vancouver, buses are currently only operating between Fibs Exchange and Lonsdale Exchange. Uh, vehicles are being asked to stay off the roads. 
but buses are stopping along Main Street at Harbour Avenue and Brooks Bank Avenue. But unfortunately, no other buses are operating in North Vancouver city or district at this time. Um, similarly, routes in South Vancouver, Queensborough, South Burnaby, New Westminster, North Richmond are also impacted and not uh, operating currently. But having said that, uh, all routes are being serviced with limited resources in Tri-Cities, Surrey, Langley and Richmond and downtown and other areas of Vancouver as well. All routes are being serviced, but with limited resources. So that is the update on buses at this time. Okay, so people need to be very patient. And and is the service, even the buses that are on the road right now, Shruti and other areas, um, it must be difficult for them to even, you know, find the right places to stop to pick up people. Absolutely. It is extremely challenging, uh, but our operators are out there doing the best that they can. Our advice to all our customers uh, using transit today is that they should build an extra travel time and check their routes by consulting our trip planner, signing up for transit alerts, which give them real-time information about their route, or by following us on Twitter at TransLink. Uh, but as you know, Simi, this is such a challenging situation. Um, uh, you know, things are changing continually, and we are going to be updating uh, all of our channels. Okay, what about the SkyTrain situation? SkyTrain is not bad. We are servicing all the three lines are, uh, are, being, uh, are uh, operating. But there can be some uh, challenges as well because of, uh, you know, uh, ice build up in the, in the doors. Uh, but we are um, having them moving. So SkyTrain is not bad. Uh, it is uh, servicing all the three lines. Okay. And so then is there, do you have a time frame at some point today, Shruti, when bus service might be able to resume more, more normal levels? It all depends. You know, we have our snow disc uh, activated semi, uh, which means that we have a robust communication uh, between our operators on the ground and we are in constant touch with municipalities. Uh, they are, we are trans- uh, advising municipalities which roads need to, uh, you know, be uh, prioritized for clearing. And as the situation becomes better, we will be uh, trying, we, you know, we're doing our best to make sure that the buses will run. Okay, so then the best place for people to look for information right now is TransLink on social media? Yes, absolutely. On the trip planners, signing up for transit alerts. Uh, there's fantastic information there and also on our, our Twitter handle, which is at TransLink. All right. Well, thank you very much for that update this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Simi. This is Mornings with Simi. Talk about the major highways out there. That transportation, that infrastructure is looked after, of course, by the Ministry of Transportation. Uh, let's find out how their efforts have been going this morning to keep them clear of snow. Joining us now is Ashok Badi, the Executive Director of the South Coast Region for the Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure. Ashok, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Can you give me an idea of how things look right now? What are the conditions like on those major routes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we uh, had a significant amount of snow overnight, upwards of 26 centimeters in, in the Metro Vancouver area alone. And, uh, and then that, you know, kind of, you know, 15 to centimeters or 10 centimeters kind of spreading out from there. So a significant amount of snow that the contractor has been dealing with. We've had crews out 24 um, seven conditions right now is, is we are addressing all our major routes and obviously priority corridors like the high one ninety one nine nine corridors are receiving a lot of attention from us, but we are also trying to focus on a lot of the local areas where we know um, some drivers might be struggling, especially on the grades. And so we have crews there, we have tow trucks on site, and we're trying to clean those uh, and clear those, sorry, as as quickly as possible and and getting those individuals on their way. We are advising for uh, essential travel only, and that's to give our contractor the, 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 the space to be able to get as much of the snow cleared in all our lanes um, on our highways, as you know, you know, we in some areas we have upwards of eight lanes in each direction. So 
Um, we are working as quickly as possible to get traction and reliability on all those lanes, uh, but it will take some time because of, of the heavy snowfall that we had overnight. Right. Ashok, what is the review process like here too? I know that it's been you know a tough fall. There have been a few snowstorms already. Not all of them have gone well. How does the ministry respond and react to that? You know, our contractors are, are very seasoned, and so we, we do um, uh, trust their their uh, deployment of resources, and I can assure you we're auditing and monitoring um, a lot of this work, and, and all available equipment is out. Our contractors um, have over 100 pieces of equipment in the lower mainland alone that are out there um, with snow plowing and, and maintenance activities. Um, of course, you know, with any event, there will be a, a post-event debrief, and we always use those opportunities to, to learn from what we experienced and how we can improve. But right now, the concentration of our efforts is being out in the field, having as many people in those pieces of equipment as possible and making sure it's as safe as reliable as we can make it for those essential trips. Um, and, and again, a reminder, you know, essential trips, um, if you're making those trips, you know, know before you go, um, have winter tires or, or tires with adequate tread depth and, and give yourself lots of space and time and drive for those conditions because it is winter out there. Um, and you will experience uh, a lot of those winter conditions on our highways. I know a lot of people get frustrated, though, because many drivers hit the road without having the proper tires and things on there. Is that something that the ministry has looked into? All these trucks that we see wiping out, like, do you check for any of that afterwards? Well, you know, we, we obviously uh, are focused on making sure people can get up and going. And so our, our big focus when we get to, to some of our challenging grades, for example, where individuals are having trouble negotiating, our, our, our focus is on their safety and, and making sure we can get them moving as quick as possible. But yes, we, we look at all these types of, of situations. You know, typically this this is a very kind of uh, subclimate kind of uh, area of the province. You know, it doesn't typically experience winter events. We've obviously had some major ones already this year, and this will form part of the, the information and the debriefing process for us to see if there's more we need to do moving forward for sure. All right, Ashok, thank you so much for your time this morning. Yeah, I appreciate your time as well. Thank you so much for having me.